Welcome back to the G Truth, one and only good truth. The NBA Finals ended a week ago on Thursday with the Raptors winning in six, playing against my prediction of the Warriors winning in five. Now, I still believe that the Warriors would have won the championship if Clay had not gotten injured, and we all saw that in game six. He tore his ACL, he's going to be out for a year, roughly. But I believe if he didn't get injured, didn't go for that dunk, went for a layup, still got fouled, you know, they would have won that game. And I, I, I would still even contend, and you could argue against it, game three, he doesn't play, Curry drops 47, they still lose. I believe Warriors win that game if Clay plays, making it Warriors in six. Now, that could be true, it could be not, but that's just what I believe. But we got tons of action in the NBA today. So let me just start by saying congratulations to the Raptors, not only for winning the championship, but by taking the risk in getting a first-time head coach, Nick Nurse, and also getting what could potentially be a one-time rental in Kawhi Leonard and getting that championship. Now, they got a lot of help along the way, but they got it. They got the championship, and you can't really diminish that. You may put a little asterisk right next to it with the injuries of the Golden State Warriors, and that's what really ended the, the uh, Warriors dynasty and what's going to end it. Not the Raptors, not Kawhi Leonard. He just happens to be on the Raptors that happened to beat the Warriors. But injuries is what really is going to end this Warriors dynasty. But you got to give all the credit in the world to the Raptors for taking the risk and it paying off. But, th- but with that being said, the NBA is now wide open. We have the NBA draft tonight. We have already several trades going down in the NBA free agency is coming up. The NBA is wide open for the taking. Warriors are out. And it's anyone's game now. So let me start off by saying let's talk about that Anthony Davis trade. So Anthony Davis recently got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. So so he was, it was just a one player deal. Anthony Davis went over to the Lakers, and the, and the Pelicans got three players. Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. They got three or four first-round picks. They got this year's number four pick from the Lakers. They got a top eight, protect, top eight protected 2021 first-round pick, but they can defer or deter that to a 20, 2022 first-round pick. And then there's a – and they have the right to swap – uh, first round picks in 2023 and in 2024 they also get the Lakers pick which they can also deter the year later to 2025 it's really complicated might as well look it up online what I said probably didn't get the point across right there pretty weird pretty complicated all you need to know is they got a lot now did the Lakers give up it too much in my opinion no in my opinion Pelicans really should have gone for one Pal Kuzma. But in the end, we, we, we like looking for the winner of each trade deal in the Cavs and Celtics Kyrie Irving deal. 
we we looked for the winners, and at the time looked like Kyrie Irving going to the Celtics was the clear winner. The Celtics were the clear winner in that. But now that Kyrie Irving is pretty much walking away from the Celtics, it doesn't really look like anyone won that deal. It looked like a pretty bad deal on both sides. Looked great for the Celtics on, in the short run. In the short run. But in the long run, both teams didn't really fare that great. I mean, the Cavs got Colin Sexton, so it worked out for them in that way, but are they going to make the playoffs anytime soon? No. But with this trade, these teams are both clearly winners. And I, and in my opinion, it's all about sense of direction, where these teams plan to go. Now, for the Lakers, they get Anthony Davis to pair up with LeBron James, uh, and uh, as well with uh, Kyle Kuzma. Now, I don't know if they're going to plan to trade Kyle Kuzma or something, or something like that to open up more cap space, but I say they should keep him because right now you have Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James. Both of them will give you 25 points a game. So that's 50 points total. you got to get to 100. That's just the modern NBA now. We're, we're going to get that if you don't have Kyle Kuzma. That's why you need Kyle Kuzma. He's going to give you 18, 20 points around that range. He's going he's gonna to be that uh, third wheel to that Anthony Davis, LeBron James tandem. Now, I do have some question marks around the Anthony Davis and LeBron James fit, but we just have to see to find out. I'm not sure if it will be like a Kobe and Shaq fit where, you know, you have LeBron James scoring a lot of points and, you know, Anthony Davis being like that Shaq-like figure dominating the paint, and they both take turns like that. Or Anthony Davis becomes more like a Chris Bosh or Kevin Love and third wheel player, even though he really is the second best player on that team, but acts almost like a third wheel. I doubt that will happen. I think it's going to lean over to more the lesser version of Kobe and Shaq, but only time will tell. Now for the Pelicans, they get a really nice young core to pair along with probably going to be Zion Williamson that they will get in this in today's NBA draft with with the number one pick. Now I believe that they should have pushed for Kyle Kuzma, and they could have said, "Hey, we we got Lonzo Ball. He's injury prone. He's injury prone, I mean, and he's got that messed up shot. I mean, we'll take that, but." Yeah, yeah, give us Kuzma. They could also say, "Hey, Brandon Ingram, lot blood clot issues. You can take that, but you got to give us Kyle Kuzma." And I think that Kyle Kuzma overall is a lot better. Well, well, at this point, not a lot better, but I think in the long run he'll be better than the likes of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And he's an excellent fit with Zion Williamson because Zion Williamson is a in the paint presence, whereas Kyle Kuzma can get a shot around the perimeter and anywhere really he wants. But they both have established a sense of direction. Both teams have established a sense of direction. And that's what you really want at this point before free agency. The Lakers have now established themselves as a top contender. And maybe even, according to Vegas, a favorite to win the whole thing this upcoming year. Do I think that they will? Probably not. I think there's going to be some issues blending initially. 
they'll probably figure it out at the end of the year. But I don't think it will carry over to the playoffs. But we'll see how they look like in the regular season to sort of guess where where, where they're going to end up in the playoffs. Because I believe that they'll make the playoffs. If they don't, then, you know, it's a lot of tr- a lot of problems come out of it. Now, for the Pelicans, it's now obviously a win in the future and develop our players now so we can win in the future. It's more of a long-term sided goal, whereas the Lakers are more of a short-term sided goal, where their plan is more to let's at least win one championship, whereas the Pelicans look like they're going to be like, we're not going to be a real title contender for maybe two years, two, three years, and then as soon as we get there, we're, we're, we're competing every single year. Maybe winning two championships until maybe three. Maybe three. Now there are some complications with this trade, and it comes from the, and it comes from the Lakers side and kind of almost quote unquote un- incompetence on the behalf of Rob Palinka. Uh, yes, he did carry out this trade, and that's great. But he didn't really think about the salary cap uh, whole issues, and it took me a while to figure it out because it's just super complicated. But if you're a GM, you gotta know this stuff. So. The deal is not official yet. It's an agreed term as of right now. But it is set, according to Woj, to become official at July 6th. And now this becomes an issue for salary cap reasons. Now if they wait 30 days until after they sign the number four pick, to, to the likings of the Pelicans themselves, then, and, and they wait 30 days after, and then they do the trade, execute, execute, execute the trade. So that means that would be around like July 30th that they actually carry out the trade. And they trade Will Wagner and Isaac Bonga, who have smaller uh, salaries. They can open up a cash base of $34.2 million. And, and, Anthony Davis wouldn't have to waive his trade bonus, his $4 million trade bonus. And, and, even, and even if they don't trade Will Wagner and Isaac Bonga, they still would get $32.6 million in salary cap room with Anthony Davis not, not having to waive his trade bonus. So, if they just wait. If they just thought about it, it's a win-win-win for everyone involved. But in the classic Lakers way, as of recently, not the old Lakers, the new Lakers way, they do something good and then dysfunction. Now, the question becomes, what do they do with that money? Do they go after a Kemba Walker, a Kyrie Irving, a Kawhi Leonard? Or, or do they go after an all-around set of people to fit alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma. I would argue the latter. And the reason why is because you look at teams now like the Toronto Raptors. They had one superstar, Kawhi Leonard. They had an all-star in Kyle Lowry, 
But then after that, they had a whole bunch of role players. Pascal Siakam, Marcus Saul. I mean, yes, Marcus Saul was an ex or former defensive player of the year, but he's not really that anymore, but he still can bring it in the, on the defensive end. But you still have all these role players. Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Bleet, Norman Powell. You can, you, you can even throw in a Jeremy Lin. I don't know. You can throw him in. So I, w- I would opt for the latter, and especially with the Warriors dynasty ending due to in- injury. You just, you just need two superstars at this point, and you got them. You got two superstars. You don't need three. You just need, you just need the two. That's all you need at this point. And so here are some free agents that I feel would be a good fit for what the Lakers would want. Starting off is Al Horford, great defensive presence, very smart player, does a great job defensively on offensively, knows where to shoot a shot, good good at at, at, uh, shooting the three, shoots the mid-range also pretty well. So he'd be a good fit also on the court for spacing-wise. Now Pat Bev. I think would also be a good fit. 3 and D, he could help lock down somewhat the opposing point guard. He can also bring the ball up. And he would be fine with deferring to LeBron James. He doesn't have that ego about him. He's very grit and grind. And then you have one of the Bogdanoviches up in this free agent class. Not 3 and D, but mainly 3-pointer. And he's knocked down 3-point shot. Pretty good. Austin Rivers, again, point guard, not that great defensively, but, you know, he he can hit the three. He can hit the three. And that's where I think, you know, you, 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 you got to give him a look at least. And then you have Miritich, also not, you know, known for his defense, but can shoot the three. You have J.J. Redick, also not known for his defense, but can shoot the three. A lot better than, than, the, than the other guys that I mentioned. You also have Danny Green, who's, who is a 3 and D guy, who can play great defense. He's tall, he's big, long, and he can shoot the three. But he's more of a spot-up shooter, not so much of a Stephen Curry or J.J. Redick or Clay Thompson type of guy where he can come off screens and run around circles around the defense. And then I think that lastly, you, you, you got to look at the aging Trevor Ariza. 3 and D guy. So, so most of these players, Pat Bev, uh, you can maybe even count Al Horford, um, Danny Green, Trevor Reese, the 3 and D guys. That's who you want. That's who you want. Now, if you can get a Kemba Walker or a Kyrie Irving, less than that 32.6 or 34.2 salary, then by all means, go ahead and take it. By all means, take it. Take it, but also keep in mind, you want those free agents. You want those free agents to fit alongside what we have building right now. Otherwise, you're going to be like the Warriors, very top-heavy, and, and as soon as it gets to the bench, not a lot. Not a lot going on there. Now, moving on, we have the Mike Conley trade. The Mike Conley trade. Now, this is kind of interesting. Because it just came out of nowhere. I mean, there had been rumors for it. 
but it just came out of nowhere. Mike Conley got traded to the Utah Jazz again, similar to the Anthony Davis trade, one-person deal. Mike Conley over to the Utah Jazz, and the Mem- and the Memphis Grizzlies get Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, Grayson Allen, the number 23 pick from the Utah Jazz, and what's most likely going to end up being the 2022 top six protected pick in the first round from Utah Jazz. Now, keep in mind, these trades aren't, like, super finalized or official yet. They're more of an agreement. So, wh- so when I say what's most likely, is it could it could probably change. It's probably going to change. But I believe that this is good for both teams because right now what the Grizzlies are trying to do, similar to what the Pelicans are trying to do, is get into that rebuilding mode and develop their players. They're probably going to most likely draft John Morant from Murray State as their point guard. And so they have to get Mike Conley out of the way to open up that spot for John Morant so that he can develop, learn, all that stuff. And then, you know, you, you get some nice shooters around him. Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, Grayson Allen, I don't think will really do much, really, with the Grizzlies. At this point in his career, he hasn't really gotten to that point yet. But then for the Utah Jazz, this is amazing. I, I, I know that they get rid of uh, Kyle Korver and Jay Crowder and Grayson Allen. And, and those guys were great for them. They were great for them. But again, this is all about direction. And with the Warriors going down, and now, and now you have the Lakers getting Anthony Davis, you've got to add that extra piece. you got to add that extra piece to make yourself title contenders. Now, I don't believe that the Utah Jazz are close to title contenders yet. Not yet. In a couple years, maybe. But not yet. But they believe that. And they're making the moves to get there. By adding Mike Conley, barring injury, barring injury, you have another playmaker alongside Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. And we can see how much they needed that in the playoffs, these past two playoffs, against the Houston Rockets. Because every single time, Donovan Mitchell has to take every single shot. Because as soon as he passes it, you have players bricking it. You have players straight bricking it and not doing anything. You have Joe Ingles not, you know, shooting well when it matters the most, weirdly enough. And then, and then you have, you know, Jake Crowder, Kyle Corver not doing what they're supposed to do in the final minutes and stuff like that. But then also defensively, they get so much better. They get that grit and grind point guard in Mike Conley from the Memphis Grizzlies during that grit and grind uh, Grizzlies era. You add that to the defense of Rudy Gobert and already of Donovan Mitchell and then a bit of Joe Ingles. Because Joe Ingles, even though you might not like it and you might not like him, he is a defensive player, not in the sense of, you know, feeling and all that stuff, but in getting in your head mentally, psychologically, making you frustrated. So adding that defensively, ooh, it's going to be nasty. So watch them come playoff time. They're going to be really, really nice. All right, now, 
It's not a trade that, that I'm going to talk about next. It's not a trade, but more of a situation. Houston, we have a problem. As much as you might have cringed at that saying, we do have a problem in Houston. There is a report out that CP3 demanded a trade. Now, like all good organizations, the Houston Rockets put that rumor report to bed. It denied it as quickly as it could. CP3 also denied it as quickly as it could. As he could, my bad. He could. And it's good th th that they shut down the rumor, but I believe that there is some truth to it. Not that, that he demanded a trade, because let's be honest. He probably liked it there. And realistically, are they going to trade CP3? No. <laughs> not at all. They are not going to trade CP3 at all. And then also, you don't want the morale, uh, the, the, uh, morale to be affected in any way in shape and form. Especially with the Warriors going down, like I've said before. Because you, you want to keep it as close together. Just keep it together for one more year. At least, just keep it together. Because your chances went from way down here all the way to up here. Now, I don't have a video camera or anything like that, so you couldn't see my hand gesture, but I'm pretty sure you imagine what I'm doing going from down here all the way up here. Your title chances skyrocketed. All right. But I do believe that there is some truth to it in the sense that they probably did have a disagreement on the flow of the offense. James Harden wanted the ball in his hand. He had like a 40-plus percentage usage rate off the charts. Not good when it comes to playoffs. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. And they probably did have a dis disagreement about that, where James Harden was like, we were so close. We were so close. Just give me the ball more. Just give me the ball more. And CP3 is like, we were so close. You shouldn't have the ball more. Because we've tried that for the past two years where you've had the ball in your hands every single time. And you don't even let me run the offense. That's where the disagreement, I believe, comes from. Where they both are like, we're so close. We're so close. We're almost there. The Warriors are out of the way. We have no one to worry about except for the Lakers. And they're new. This is our chance. But they have disagreements in how they change and how they get past their troubles. I believe they should run it back with the same core. But they got to listen to CP3. They got to. If, if they want to win, they got to change their style up. Not a complete 180, become a fully passing offense, because that's not who they are. That's not who they are. James Harden is not that. You look at back at, at his career. Coming off the bench with the OKC Thunder. Sixth man of the year, I'm pretty sure. When you're coming when, when you're coming off the bench, you, your, your role in your head is not, oh, I'm going to pass the ball around. No. He was asked to 
score off the bench. As soon as he came to Houston, he was really the only guy there. And then Dwight Howard came along. But then again, he was asked to score the ball. His mindset has been always scoring, 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 scoring. And what else? Scoring. And that's what he's going to do. You can't change him. But you can tweak little areas here and there to not completely change his style of play. But to change the team's play. It might not make sense, but just let it kind of sit in your head just for a bit. I'm not saying completely go away from the ISO ball. But I'm saying, you know, maybe every once in a while, pass the ball around. Every once in a while. Because it won't hurt. Just pass the ball around. Good for team morale. Keeps everyone engaged. I don't know. If if you're James Harden and you're, you know, that heavy, maybe you're going to, I mean, you might get an assist. I don't know. But there probably is some truth to, like, the rumor that came out. I doubt that CP3 asked for a trade or demanded a trade. But I do, I do believe that there is some level of tension between James Harden and Chris Paul and maybe even throwing Mike D'Antoni in there. Now, there is something else that I want to talk about regarding the Houston Rockets. It has been reported by Stephen A. Smith on First Take on ESPN that Harden and, and uh, Jimmy Butler have been communicating over the summer about free agency, about Jimmy Butler coming to Houston. Remember back to this past season, the middle of the season around the trade deadline, when the Rockets offered up not one, not two, not three, but four. Four first-round picks to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes, he was part of the Minnesota Timberwolves last season. I forgot, too. I had to look that up. I forgot. Four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler, and they expected, and they they are expected to do to do the exact same thing. Of course, they're not going to be trading; they're going to be signing him, or try to sign him. Aggressive pursuit. But I don't think it's wise. It's not a wise move. On paper, it looks great. Offensively, he's a playmaker. He can dish the ball. He can score. He can do anything on the offensive side that you ask him to do. Defensively, with Chris Paul and Clint Capella, he will be great. He will be great. For the Rockets playing style of small ball, you can put him alongside Eric Gordon, James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella. It works great. But that's where analytics and Daryl Morey and the Houston GM is wrong, is at fault, and doesn't give you the right results. What has followed Jimmy Butler everywhere he's gone, whether it be Chicago, Minnesota, or even Philly? Some sort of teammate dispute. 
He always has a conflict with his teammates. He's had a horrible chemistry act with the team. If, if he goes to Houston, this will be, I believe, his fourth team in four years. Let, let that sit in. Let, let, let that settle for a quick second. What has followed Chris Paul from the LA Clippers, from the Hornets, back back when he was in New Orleans? Into now, into Houston. With the previous report that I just talked about, or rumor that I talked about, report or rumor, whatever you prefer to say. Same thing as Jimmy Butler. Turmoil and turbulence between teammates. What did Jimmy Butler do back in Minnesota that got all the players riled up except for him and, you know, the bench squad? He took a team of second or third stringers and whooped the starters in practice. Called out Carl Anthony Towns. What do you think he'll, he will do to James Harden with his dribble, 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 Step back, step back, step back. Travel, travel, travel. Step back some more. Pump fake. Shoot the ball. Fall on the ground. What do you think he's going to do when he sees that in game? In game. Not in practice, but in game. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it will not be pretty. It will be more of the same with him and Ben Simmons, him and Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins. More of him the same throughout Chicago, Minnesota, and now Philly. He will cause dysfunction in an organization that right now, like I just stated previously, is currently dealing with its own issues. Whether it be Mike D'Antoni and just trying to get over the hump of the playoffs and get to the finals. Statistically, on paper, it would be amazing. It would be great. Spectacular fit. But in reality, let's be honest, it wouldn't work. It would not work at all. In the slightest. The Rockets, don't do this. Don't hurt yourself more than you've already hurt yourself. With that CP3 contract and this whole dysfunction around CP3 and James Harden arguing and Mike D'Antoni not being able to carry you, carry you over the hump. And Daryl Morey having his own issues. Now, for the last thing I want to talk about today is... Related to the Boston Celtics, and it's not about Danny Ainge, it's about Kyrie Irving. There are reports circling around the NBA saying the Nets are being very cautious when it comes to Kyrie Irving, and they may not sign him at all if Kevin Durant does not come along with him too. Oh, but what about Kyrie? Kyrie, he's a superstar. He's an all-star. Katie's injured. What does that matter? You got to pick him up. 
and, and I say no. I'm sorry. I'm if if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, if KD's not coming, I am shutting the door on anything Kyrie Irving related. And it's not a knock on Kyrie Irving. Well, it kind of is, but not on who he is as a basketball player. He is a phenomenal basketball player. We all know that he's a phenomenal basketball player. We saw that killer game seven shot. The shot. It's going to go down in history as the shot. We've all seen his crossover on Brandon Knight that made him fall to the ground in what the Rising Stars game. Pushing the crowd. Hilarious. We've all seen him play in the playoffs. He is phenomenal. But that's not the part where I don't want him for the Nets. We we can we, we can compare D'Angelo Russell and Uncle Drew all we want. And I will still say Kyrie Irving's better. But you gotta look just like the Rockets. You gotta look not on paper. Elsewhere. Same thing with Jimmy Butler. Uh, but on a lesser level, you know, and on a bit different note, what, what, what happened to Kyrie in, in Boston? He pushed away his teammates. He outcasted them. Basically pushed them away. He brings along chemistry issues. That only get amplified by the way that he plays. He's a phenomenal player. But you look at the shots that he takes. A lot of it is not passing around. A lot of it's iso ball. Going, coming up the court and just shooting a three right at just in someone's face. And if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't go in, it hurts. Ten times more than any other shot. The reason why is because no one gets the ball. If... If, if it's a passing around, like a Golden State or San Antonio Spurs system, where he's passing the ball around, and then he finally gets open, or even if it's late in the shot clock, and he gets the ball, and he shoots it, and he misses it, it hurts. He misses it. But not as much as it hurts when he dribbles up the court, doesn't pass the ball, doesn't look at any of his teammates, or even if he looks at them and he's like, No. I'm not passing it to you. And then he shoots a three and then misses it, planks it. Takes bad shots. He's an ISO guy. He doesn't really pass the ball a whole lot. He's a point guard. He doesn't rack up all these assists. It's weird. That only adds to the chemistry issues that has followed him from Boston. And you look at that... Um, Brooklyn Nets bench every single time someone makes a shot they're all dancing around they're celebrating every single time someone does a crossover or dunk they're out of their minds every single time you need that chemistry you need that chemistry if you're a basketball team especially if you're a young team you need that camaraderie you need to be together had these problems, on-court problems with taking bad shots, leadership problems in Boston that have all added to chemistry issues of himself as a leader. 
And if he's coming to Boston by himself without Kevin Durant, he will be asked to become the leader. And also in a previous report, it's been stated that if the Brooklyn Nets do get Kyrie Irving, they're probably not going to keep D'Angelo Russell. You're ruining that chemistry if you take Kyrie Irving without Kevin Durant. You're ruining that chemistry. You have Kevin Durant there. He can be the leader. He can be the leader. Kyrie Irving is not that leader. He's not that guy. Not yet, at least. So I'm praying. I'm praying to you, Brooklyn Nets. Don't mess this up. Keep D'Angelo Russell, who's only 23 years old. 23 years old, made the all-star team. Don't don't get Kyrie Irving if he doesn't come along with KD. Don't. Don't. He's a phenomenal player. But he will devastate your franchise. Much like he's done with the Boston Celtics. Anyways, that has been the G Truth. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Giovanni Knoss, and I am signing out. Peace.